and welcome back to Turf Talk. It's day three of our Cheltenham Festival previews and I am buzzing because of shame and I've won three away games in a row. I had to get that in there because it doesn't happen too often up the town or going up. Uh, as per usual, I'm joined by the big man James Watson. How are we doing, mate? Hello, doing very well. We're just at the three furlong pole. We can just see the stands to the right-hand side and hopefully we'll be coming to the last on the bridle ready for your day four preview to uh, canter your home over the line. Or maybe we do an Oscar Delta and jink to our left and fall over. Uh, it could go either way. Uh, as, and we're joined by another one of the good friends of the show. Matt Rennie, how are you doing, pal, from the Racing Post? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. And you're revelling in the shame ends, Victor. I'm revelling in Sunderland's demolition job of bitter rivals Portsmouth last night and all aboard the... Uh, all aboard HMS pissed the league up to the championship, followed by the premiership, then the Champions League in time. So, all good. It starts starts a good period. Let's uh, let's see if we can get loads of winners at Cheltenham. You know, I think we need it this year desperately. Oh, I oh I good to see everyone in a good mood for once. Especially me and Jim. That doesn't happen too often. Uh, but we're going to start with the first race on the Thursday at Cheltenham, and it is the Martian Officers Chase. Uh, might be a little bit simple this best price 8 to 11 you can get for Omvar Allen to beat Inerjabian at 3 to 1 goes elsewhere Monkfish at 6 to 1 goes elsewhere 8th Shamblu uh, same price Shantry House 10th Sporting John probably goes elsewhere 14th Chatham Street Lad probably goes elsewhere 14th same price All Art and then 16th for latest exhibition who, go, who definitely goes elsewhere Fusel Raffles and Franco de Pot. Uh, Matt, I'll come to you first, mate. This race is going to fall apart because everyone's scared of on violin. Yeah, he took took the words right out of my mouth there, uh, Lewis. It's going to be his to lose, and essentially he he is bomb proof, isn't he? You know that cliche term is thrown around a lot, but you cannot pick any faults in his form. I thought his prep run, uh, he would not have been fully wound up whatsoever for that one, and. It was was good enough in the circumstances. Again, it's a bit of the shame to see Asterian Forlange not stay on his feet again. But he is he is he is bomb proof, and he's the Irish banker of the week. I have been trying to see if we can take him on, and of course, the only one that is really sensible enough to really take him on with is Shamblu, given his his fantastic form this year, especially on better ground as well. And I think that this gallop in two miles two miles four. Of course, it's less of a speed test than the old courses, on, but now on the new course, and the good ground. If we get if we get good ground, that is, could really play into his strengths, especially in the jumping department. As I remember Dan Skelton always saying that he he can take lengths out of the field with his speed over the fences and away from them. And it was he lacked that last time at Sandow, but still ran a really really cracking race to finish second, and was just outstayed in the end by Sporting John. So they those those. In those sort of reasons can play really into his strengths, and there's probably still value in, in the without Envoy Allen market on Paddy Power at the minute. I know as this is as we speak when we're recording, because Energumen's still in there, Monkfish is still in there, and both of them, while they're still in there, are thirteen to eight and eleven to four, and Chamblou's seven to two without Envoy Allen, which I think is a cracking price really, given the form he's shown this season, and the amount of improvement and raw ability he's shown over a fence. He's, one of, he's, he's a lovely, lovely horse. He's one of my favourite horses in training because he just jumps for fun. And he, he will be miles clear of the rest of the field, but Envoy LN will probably be miles clear ahead of him. 
Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with anything you said there, Jim. And Valen keeps... There, Jim. Jim, Matt. Oh, I've, I've gone so far as well. I've done so well the first two. Barely dropped a bollock. And we're, only, we're only five minutes into this one. Uh, talk, whoever hasn't talked yet. <laughs> well, Envioland's been summed up perfectly, really. 11 out of 11 overall in his career. He's a special horse. Um, he, Lewis is a massive fan of him, as, as many people are. Um, from the beginning, he's always recognised him and... Um, he just saves enough for himself, doesn't he? We've seen in his last couple of starts at Punchestown and at Fairy House. Um, he's not exactly faced an awful lot. But when he does hit the front, and even in his novice hurdle career, he sort of just didn't pull up almost, but just does enough to, to beat his rivals. Um, Jack Kennedy will retain the ride, um, which is obviously a positive. He knows the horse well. The only slight negative factor is moving to Henry de Bromhead two weeks before the Cheltenham Festival was probably not the most ideal prep um, looking at this but he's, he's obviously hearing little reports he's, he's uh, quite a niggly sort of situations with him sometimes Keith Donahue saying he, he has to work with special boots on he's got his own little prep and routine and he has to do things a certain way um, that's the only thing that could possibly upset him by moving yards here because he's an absolute beast and nothing else in this race will actually probably turn up other than Shamblu. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Out. And Matt, you, you're a very brave man saying that he's more of a banker than Monkfish to Lewis because I tell you what, I, I, I don't know who I'd want to side with with who's the real Irish banker of the week. It's a close one, isn't it? It's, it's a proper close one, but... Uh... Maybe Monkfish, given he's going to win by 66-plus lengths, yeah? <laughs> easy work, lads. Absolutely easy work. No, look, they're, they're, to me, they are they are the... Well, I, I said I'd have Jacques Compostois, maybe a second banker, but I don't see how any of those three get beat. Shamblu should be the one to chase him home. He's been very, very good over fences this season. Probably a little bit unlucky to lose the Silly Isles last time out as well. Look, the winner for a long way there, just outstayed by Sporting John on bad ground. He's a very, very good jumper as well. But from the Ballymore last season, he's got 27 lengths to make up on Valen. And, you know, whilst we know Chamblou's a, a better chaser this this time around, there's nothing to say that on Valen isn't, isn't as well. Uh, I, I just don't get the people who are trying to find alternatives you know you've seen people say all season well well, what's he beat he's not beat anything first of all that's if you're saying that that entirely ignores all of his hurdles and bumper form where he has beaten good horses he beat Abacadabras over two miles in the Royal Bond he beat Darva Star over two miles in the Royal Bond the Ballymore last season was, was you know a very very good race easy work I know he's no longer with us but he would have been a grade one quality horse I reckon uh if he'd have been if he was around for longer, the big breakaway has shown that there's a hell of a lot of talent in there despite his uh, issues. The big getaway's been a bit awkward this season as well, but he remains with with potential. Not even talking there about Shamblu and Sporting John, who are even further behind. There is substance to his form, and if you want to slate that, oh, you know what he's done over fences, saying he's not beaten anything. How how does that conversation with an owner go? You know, 
we're, we're going to stick, we're going to stick this 150s arse in here. Oh, why? Oh, Envilan will beat him, but he'll make his form look stronger. What? No, it's never going to happen. He can only beat what's put in front of him. So, I, I, it baffles me that anyone would try and knock that. Uh, yeah, he dances up and it, it should be simple. He might not even come off the bridle. Yeah, uh, answers here, lads. What do we think? How many horses are going to turn up against him here? Max Fields, five, six? Oh, it'll be a, a smaller field than you think, but, uh, you, yeah, you're looking at, like, Cole Reeves, 20 to 1. She's either going to the Mayor's Chase or not going at all. Blackbow, he's probably going to the Arkle. Sky Pirate's definitely going to the Grand Annual because I spoke to Nick Schofield a couple of days ago and he, he sat on him and said, yep, yeah, it's going Grand Annual time. You, you, yeah, it will be a... You look at that bet, at the betting at the minute and you think they're all going other places. So it's not going to be, in the sense, a betting contest nor a riveting watch. It'll be... It'll be Obviously, it might be riveting if Envoyelen goes and bolts up by 10, 15 lengths and we see a crowning glory like Vittor did in 2015, was it? 2015? Um, but it's it's one to watch, sit back and watch a superstar in action, really. I don't really get the strong vibes of Sean Treehouse. He was miles behind when third in the Supreme. Yes, encouraging enough, but that run on the new course in, in December is incredibly off-putting and, and, and set him back a long, long way. And he beat nothing at Weatherby last time, so I just don't get why he's the same price, especially in the without Envoyelen market at the minute, as, as Chamblou, who is a proven grade one performer and the best intermediate and, and, and maybe even the best stay in Norris Chaser we've got in Britain. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with a word you said there. You are right. This this may be end up being a smaller than an eight runner field. Looking down even to the ones that, like thirty threes or so, I can't, I can't see many even turning up. Maybe Feasted the Re might run. Paint the Dream is he's, he's leaning towards here. I think Fergal O'Brien stated on Twitter. But yeah, the, when you're getting down to the ones in, that are like thirty threes, most of them hold handicap entries as well. Uh, so you what, are like, what's I, the lowest ever runner in a in a novice chase race at the festival? It's a question for Rory Delaghi probably because he knows all this palaver. But <laughs> it'd be it'd be interesting to know what is the lowest ever runner in a novice chase. Oh no! Well, it, it, it'll it'll just replicate all the other lovely novice chases we've seen all season, Jim. Wouldn't it be perfect for a year's worth of forerunner novice chases to culminate in a forerunner novice chase? <laughs> That's what I call continuity, lad. The dreams can come true. Yeah, look, um, I, I ain't going to overcomplicate this. Envoyland dances up. Matt said it wasn't a betting race. I disagree. Steaming. Uh, Matt, I guess it's the same, but Chamblou without? Yeah, that'll be my one um, at current currently, before before the before the decks are revealed, basically, because you know Monkfish and Ergerman are going to go elsewhere to so try and take the price where you can, really. I yeah. Just, I've just done it. I've just done it right now. Eights, eights each way isn't isn't a poor price, and for you, Jim, I guess it's gonna be the same. Yeah, nothing, nothing obscure from me. Fair enough. I'd, I'd be half interested in Franco Deport each way if he came here. I'd prefer to see him run here than the Arkle. I think he wants two and a half, but uh, it say he'd be playing for second. Moving on to the one fifty five. It's a potential handicap hurdle. Produced some really, really decent winners over the last couple of seasons. You know, last year's race was on paper arguably as good as the stayers with Sider Burley winning from the storyteller and two A Permi. 
this season's betting, 5-1 to one, Imperial Alcazar to beat Champagne Platinum at 6s, 7s the bosses Oscar, 10s Linwood Gold, 11s my turf top, 12 horse Brinkley, is uh, 12s come on Teddy, 14s Mrs Milner, 16s Dandy Mag, Honest Vic, Stormarising, Milliner and Southfield Harvest, 20 to 1 bar them. Jim, I'll come to you here first, mate. Where are you leaning at this stage? One of my strongest fancies in the handicap of the week to go with Lieutenant Rocco is Champagne Platinum in this. Um, many people know if you win a uh, if you win a potent qualifier, that's not exactly uh, the ideal prep for this. And I thought he was massively eye catching last time at Haydock. Um, he was a really good novice hurdler who uh, ended up missing Cheltenham in 2019 and went to Punchestown instead. Was probably slightly disappointing that day, but. Last season, he went, he went chasing and it just wasn't for him. He was never in the mood or in any form of fluency. Um, and He did finish in seventh in the Kim Muir last year, but um, I, I can't really... I'm sort of glad that they've put him back over hurdles this year. Um, he's been really good, I thought, and he was given a very conservative ride, I thought, last time at Haydock. And it was quite apparent from early on that um, in the cheap pieces that he'd normally raced in, they'd been suddenly taken off for that run, and he still managed to sneak into a place qualifier. Um, if you know what I mean, Harry and the bosses Oscar run, he'll be looking to carry about ten stone twelve, which I think could really underestimate him uh, for mark of one three nine. And I, I, I think he likes uh, a bit better ground as well, which at Haydock Bushy Park, who is renowned for being a bit of a mud lover nowadays. Uh, absolutely relish that. And I think that... What price was he about now, Lewis? Was he about 8-1, to one, did you say? Sixes. Sixes. I think he could go off 3-1 to one on the day. So, really? Yeah, I, I think he could be JP's biggest plot horse of this. I know Matt might say it otherwise. Um, however, I think Champagne Platinum is being targeted specifically for this race and a mark of 139. He's very generous and I, I'm strong on him for this. Interesting, mate. Interesting. I don't really have a strong opinion about this race, so I'm glad that you do. Matt, can you back it out with anything? I would have been the same as you, Lou, mate, really, with this race. Um, it's not one of my favourite heat betting to bet on because it's just a it's, it's a it's a lottery, isn't it, essentially, most of the time. You're right in saying the last two, three, well, the last four runnings essentially have been won by really classy horses, haven't they, with Side Burley twice, Delta Work, and uh, presenting Percy. I don't think we've got anything of that calibre in this year's renewal. Of course, the boss's Oscar is of great interest, given his luckless run in the Martin Pipe last year, and the vibes all season have been around him for him going for the per attempts. But his, his British handicap mark of one five one is is demanding a lot in this race, really. And I've been I've been looking at a few down down lower the weights. Of course, a few of them have still got double entries. One who interested me who's got a double entry, but both on on this day as well um, is Spirit of the Games, who I think is quite a remarkable performer at Cheltenham, really without without winning, especially in he's, he's a he's a mainstay in those intermediate stay on staying handicap chases round round this venue. Um, I don't know whether they they think he's reached his peak over fences and are trying to exploit his lower hurdles, Mark. Um, this trip, yeah, is still an unknown, really. But the £2 rise is, is also quite a bit harsh for, for qualifying. He's behind Blackjack Kentucky at Chepstow last time. But he was he was capable of higher over fences. And if he can transfer that, transfer that form into this race, 
then he would be of some interest at, at 20 to 1. And a couple more I was thinking of as well. I'm still slightly undecided. I'll, I'll be de- I'll be deciding about five more minutes time. Obviously, Fergal O'Brien's got the anti-post favourite with Imperial Alcazar, but at 33s, Ask Dylan is is not a bad horse. You know, he's a model of consistency, and I think it says a lot about the horse about how his gallant efforts are. That O'Brien was slightly disappointed with his run at Exeter last time out, which was in in awful conditions. That would you'd do well to get through that on any other day. It was like running in treacle. Um, but the handicap was giving him a two pound two pound uh, less off in the weights, and he just, if he just runs to his mark, he's, he is very much capable of a bold performance. And they rated, rated him highly enough to try him in the stay of hurdle last season. So he, he will appreciate this company and, and hopefully the better ground we get there as well. And just a, just a final one to throw into the mix as well, towards a mark of 140 is this storm, storm arising. I don't know if he, he's confirmed to go there or not with Paul Nichols yet, but uh, he's getting Zach together over hurdles. He, he's still relatively unexposed and going back in the form Lou to your previous person's fancy third wind he was only two lengths behind him on Boxing Day last year so he's got strong form in the book and looking at the previous winners Delta Work presenting Percy have both won this of marks of around around the 140 mark Delta Work was 139 in 2018 and well presenting Percy was 146 and not here Maldini was 139 in 2015 so he'd be more than capable of winning off, off, off his current mark of 142. It's just, I feel this year it could go to one of the outsiders like we've seen in the past or, or one, at, one at a better price. I can see that, mate. I like that case. Uh, if I just briefly touch on a few at the top of the betting, Jim spoke about Champagne Platinum. I put Imperial Alcazar up when he won the qualifier at Warwick, uh, which on paper might was a, probably a semi-decent one come on Teddy. Went off favourite. He's done well this season. He beat uh, on the blind side earlier in the year. Runs again here at 12 to 1. He'd have a chance for Tom George, as would Imperial Alcazar. But do you do you really want a horse who's won a Potemps qualifier in the Potemps final unless they're having to win to creep in? You know, he's up £6, which on his form through with Protectorate uh, last season might still be workable. I think Protectorate's about a mid 150s animal. So yeah. I can see why his favourite, the boss's Oscar, has been absolutely mullered by the British handicapper for this on a mark, what, £8 higher than he'd be off in Ireland. That's not very fair. And he's been holding his form well in Ireland, but he probably needs to be a graded quality horse to win this. Uh, I like Brinkley. You know, I've, I've, I've liked him for a while. I say I put him up as my turf talk horse to follow at the start of the season. He's increased £18 in the ratings after two wins, both on bad ground at Exeter. Now, it wouldn't won't surprise me if he could be a threat off 148. Because uh, David Pipe, after he won at Newbury on his first run for Pipe, after he joined from Liz Doyle, he stated that he thought he might have had a, had a Ballymore horse. He didn't get seen again that season. So, But the Pipe team obviously thought a hell of a lot of him uh, when they first got him. Two wins this year, look again. I don't really like horses who have shown their hand too much in a race like the Potemps. Mrs Milner will get in, which is good, and she'd definitely have a chance eye-catching on her two completed starts this season. She's interesting. Uh, I can feel like she'll become a bit of a wise guy horse, if I'm honest. I hope third wind runs here. 
because I think he might be good enough to win this off one five three, and I've already got my money down. So uh, fingers crossed he turns up. Look, he he is a great and quality horse, and this this can often go, you know, like Matt said, to the class animal in the field, no matter what weight the carry inside the Burley was top weight last season. You know, so I think he's got more he's got more chance of winning this off one five three, which isn't. Uh, the steepest rise in the world to be fair to say he beat the reigning stayers Hale champion last season he's only up 7 for that I could see him being a threat again off 153 although Huey Morrison why did you ruin everything and run him uh, Lewis is... with, with Brinkley sorry does the ground not worry if it's if, if it's fairly quick yeah completely did, did I not mention that or no. I, no, sorry. I meant I, I did, yeah, he wrote, yeah his two wins have come on very very heavy ground sorry I thought I'd, I thought I'd said that I definitely thought it <laughs> <laughs> but he did make his way to my mouth. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's the thing. He's he looks very very ground dependent. One I'd give half a chance to at thirty three to one if they come here, because there are pieces of his form that would see him well handicapped in this is Keeper Hill for Warren Gray. Not again. I think I've had my fingers burnt with him before as well. Oh, too many chances. He shit well at Musselboro last time though. Just didn't quite stay over it. Extended three two. Has run some reasonably decent races this season. Fourth in the Charlie Hall was good. You know he's third to on the blind side. In a race that was you know that could have been a Grade Three really behind on the blind side and Little Rockefeller. That was good. If he reproduces that, one four two is a fair mark. I know he's a hard horse to win with, but I'm not sure whether they're trying to use this maybe as a national prep because he is in the national and that has been done before. You know, uh, I guess the standout one is Pino de Rey, who ran well in this before going on to win the national. I don't think Keep Hill will win the national, but I can see him hitting the frame in here. He surely is better than a one four two horse. Still, I can see where you're coming from for that. Even on his previous form, you know, in April 2019, he was only six lengths behind Opetti Swan, who we know is a very was a very good horse on his day, albeit incredibly fragile, basically made out of toilet roll. But he, he ran on that in a that's a competitive handicap hurdle on that stage, handicap hurdle at Aintree, and, and placed up a mark of 144. And now he's he's two pounds lighter. You know, if he gets to that form again, I can see where you're reasoning from, but it's just his. His last couple of runs in, in this season have just not infused me whatsoever at this stage. Yeah, look, he's, he's like like you said, he's, he, he, he ran in the stairs hurdle two years ago. You know, he, he is dropping down the weights, but there... And look, he's dropping down the weights for a reason. But there have been glimmers that there's still enough ability in there for him to be a threat off this mark. Uh, at 33-1 to 1 in a race where... I'm not. I'd, I want to be looking for a price. That might be where I'd end up. Uh, be a good laugh if you know what I mean. Harry wins. I'll be cheering him. If, if it's him versus anything I've backed, I'm cheering Harry on. Aren't we all? Oh, aye. Good lad, 13 years of age. And he's, he won this season as well at Aintree. What a boy. That'll want, be a good laugh. You want the three going down to, to the final fight and up the hill. You want it to be, you know what I mean, Harry... The twelve-year-old Kansas City Chief at fifties and Agrapar just to throw back the memories. <laughs> Agrapar needs it to be like a swimming bath to win. Yeah. 
He does. He'd be better off. He'd be better off running in the River Seven. <laughs> Send him to Leytown. <laughs> oh no! We'd like Kansas City Chief to run well. To be fair, he he ran a good race in this last season, and a uh, Victoria Malzard who interacts with us a bit on Twitter got him qualified for this as well at Cheltenham. Uh, she rode him back there in the qualifier in October when he finished third. So if he does run, uh, a little bit of personal uh, joy in Kansas City Chief going well. Uh, but it's it's third wind and keeper hill for me, and that's uh, that might be my my most hollow shout of the festival. The pair of them, there's nothing that interests me in here. Jim, what about you, mate? It's, it's champagne, champagne platinum all the way for me. But one at a bigger price. He's shown his hand and he's a bit exposed. He's on his pick and he's off a marker one fifty and he's. £10 higher than when he was fifth in the Coral Cup last year. Uh, he was a really impressive winner of a qualifier at Cheltenham over course and distance. Um, and he ran with plenty of credit uh, in the long... Was it the... Long uh, the long distance hurdle at Newbury. Um, Travelled fairly well for a long way and just got outclassed by some better horses. And then he ran in a jumper's bumper just to try and get him a run on better ground. They've sort of preserved him since November after that and That'll have just blown the cobwebs away. And I know he's quite exposed, but you sort of know what you're going to get with Honest Vic. And if he goes for the, I, th- I hope he goes for this instead of the stays hurdle because I think he'll be outclassed. But he, I feel like he's been around for years, but he's only eight. And I, I feel like the step up to three certainly seen him to better effect. So he'd be worth a little bit of a play at 25s. But I think Champagne Platinum has been planned for this race since the beginning of the season. And I fancy the absolute ears off him. Lovely, lovely, mate. And for you, Matt? Uh, I think I'll, I'll chance my arm at a few at a bigger price. Um, we'll rule out spirit of the games because it's highly likely that he might be kept over fences given his profile. But um, we'll go. Storm Rising is really is really interesting me at sixteen to one. You know, I know he's had a fair few runs over hurdles. Um, in fact, he's had he's had twelve runs over hurdles. But it's only really this season where he starts to get his act together. And his form figures read one two one. I know we don't read into the to the if you win a Pertams qualifier, you're gonna you're gonna go on and it was it wasn't even a Pertams qualifier at Chepstow. I, I beg your pardon. It was just average class two handicap hurdle. Um, so he does have that little bit of mystery about him. He still remains slightly unexposed, especially at this level, about where he can go and what his ceiling is. So at sixteen to one, he, he can be very interesting and and offer of a really nice rating of one forty as well. And and Fergal O'Brien, second string, asked Dylan. He's just a very consistent horse. He was behind Storm Rising at Chepstow, um, but on his best form, he 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 should be there to really be thereabouts. And twenty five to one at this stage might just be uh, slightly slightly big. Fair enough, Matt. I might as well just mention because I'm he's another horse. I've got a hell of a lot of time for. I put him in my six to follow at the start of the season. Southfield Harvest, when he sees a fence, is going to be a lovely, lovely staying chase for the sort of horse that might win Ladbrokes trophies or Welsh Nationals when he comes to that. Uh, he might go well here as well. He's 16-1. to 1. Uh, Moving on to the Ryanair chase. Competitive this year. They bet best prices 5-1 to 1 for Alaho to beat Min, Mellon and Kenboy and Imperial Aura at sixes. Altior is sevens, Shackenpaul Swar is eights. Right, if you lot are doing non-runner no bet, why is Altior shorter than Shackenpaul Swar? 
that's not how it that's not how it should work. Uh, Mr. Fisher is eight, same price for Kia Dudery, nine St. Calvados, fourteen Sam Crow Real Steel and Dash or Drasher, and then twenties for Chris's Dream and Silos Emery. Good races, Matt, deep. Incredibly deep, and there's a lot of questions which will be answered by the respective performances of, of, of the top principals in the markets as well. There's loads of questions going into it. You know, Alaho, very good winner at Thurless last time out, but he's been given a fair few tries at grade one level now and, and not delivered And each 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 star. You know, the Mullins camp were incredibly disappointed at Christmas. They thought it was going to be far closer in the, in the Savills chase. So he's got questions to answer about whether he's actually real grade one potential. Imperial Aura comes into this off the back of an underseat at Kempton, which was most unlike him, and he needs to see if he's got over that mishap and whether he's got the progression needed to step up to this level. Mellon, is, is he going to actually try and get his head in front for once? I mean, lovely horse, but he just cannot win for anything. And last year's Marsh, and obviously Chase, looking back on it, was a battle of who wants to win this less rather than who's really wanting to win this more. Min, obviously, needs to come back from an uncharacteristic pull-up last year. We just do not know what happened that day. I mean, some of the jumps there were horrendous, to say the least, and thankfully, come out of it unscathed. Um, Fakir Duderie, unknown at this trip as well. Mr. Fisher, is he really grade one quality again? And St. Calvados has had an interrupted preparation this season, but we know how good his form is, is around the new course. It's a, it's, a, it's a humdinger of a race this year. And it's actually a really it's a welcome race, really, as a as a as a punter and a tipster that you're you're going at, at this kind of race where it's five to one the field in a Grade One. Fascinating, mate, isn't it? Where would you be leaning at this stage? I think you're going to like my answer here, Lou, and I'm I'm sticking loyal with Min. I Go on. I really do think it could even be a case of last year's one-two again. You know, there's Alaho for me has never done it for me as a Grade One horse. And I think he's incredibly hard to place. This could either be his perfect race or his imperfect race. We know sort of that it's been hard, he's, he's been incredibly hard to place. So I want to avoid him. Typically by rule for winning tips, I avoid anyone that's gone an unseated last time out. It just levels the, the trust of it is, is, isn't there. But Imperial Aura, again, he might be one even for, for next season over fences. I know he's, he's eight, but he's still got a lot of time ahead of him. Um, and I think Min at six to one is—it's just ridiculous that Min and Mellon are the same prices. This is this is Min. This is a high-class Min who has won a Ryanair Chase. He's stormed to victory in a Melling Chase as as well. He's run incredibly well in a Champion Chase and a Supreme Novices Hurdle in the past. He's a multiple Grade One winner. You know he's a fantastic horse, and I'd be more than inclined to put last time out. It was too bad to be true at Leopardstown. You know if he pulled up going to the second last or the final fence, then you've got more substance to not trust him on, on that performance. But he was it was too bad to be true, and he was perfect in the in the John Durkham from what we could see. It, it'll be interesting who's going to ride him. You know, Paul Townend's got a, a real choice there between two, potentially three horses to ride. But I'm going for Min, and St. Calvados, in two starts on, on Cheltenham's new course, has been defeated by a nose and a neck. So he obviously thrives on this track. And Harry Whittington, he's had a tormented time over the winter with, with a lack of winners. He's now really starting to hit some good form, and it's, it's really nice to see, you know. And I think he, 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 we know he's a classy horse, and I, th- I think he, he will run another, another bold show. 
And I know, I know, I know I've crabbed in on here, but you wouldn't be surprised to see if Mellon goes out to front and, and runs another really good race on a, on a track he proved is he handled last year. But Min for me and St. Calvados to run another big race. Fair enough, mate. I think you've summed up fairly well. Jim, your thoughts, mate? I can't really add a lot more to what he's already said. I, I think uh, I'm going to make it possibly a hat-trick of Min supporters in this. Yeah. No, no, no other horse in this race is an eight-time grade one winner. Um, Alaho, like Matt said, it, 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 I feel he's a bit tripless. And I, I think he's a good horse, but nobody knows what his best is at the minute. Um, and I, I liked what he did at Thurlers. He, he kicked away again late on. And last season, there was a lot of, was he a non-stayer? When he was running in the Albert Bartlett, um, I thought that three miles was his street. And a lot of people didn't think that. Um, and then the more and more I think about I, I think he's a three-miler. Um, but he wouldn't get the uh, Gold Cup trip just a bit further. Um, but... Min, I, I really can't see past. I know, I know Min was disappointing last time, but you've got to take into consideration um, maybe just had a little bit of a flashback of that scrap they had with Chacon Postwell last year. Um, maybe, maybe I'm talking absolute balls, but maybe just didn't fancy the scrap once again uh, and just thought, you know what, we'll throw in the towel. It's, it's something quite uncharacteristic from Min, um, and I think. Six to one around, still a fairly decent price. A lot of people have been buzzed up about Imperial Aura, and I really don't get the hype. Um, it's thrashed Windsor Avenue, who can't even win a handicap nowadays. Itchy feet and real steel in that race. Itchy feet was then embarrassed when he went back over hurdles by the Potemps winner. Um, and um, real steel, I think I heard a little interview with Paul Nichols there. I think he bled after that. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, um, but. I, I think I've read that somewhere. Fakir Dudari, I hope they don't go here because I know he's, his only time at 2-4 was in the Drinmore and he was uh, impressive. But I think two miles stick to what he's good at, sticking there. Mellon will push the pace along. And this is, this is the interesting aspect of the race for me. Imperial Aura, Mellon, Min, Alaho will all be going fairly forward. So no one's going to really get an easy lead, which could set it up for a horse later on. And... Like Matt said, St. Calvados um, picked up the pieces in the last couple of years and um, you saw him only get beaten neck by him in last year. The race sort of suited him a bit. And I, I think, like, he's, like Matt said already, the stable's just coming back into form. And I think St. Calvados could be a decent each-way price in this. But we're all aboard the Min Express on Turf Talk pod. Lovely, mate. Absolutely lovely. I can't add too much more from it look over the past what five six years Min has not been out of the top five national horses in training he's a hell of a horse he's a hell of a horse in, in in another generation he'd have been the best two mile chaser around for several seasons they probably had to step him up because he were getting bored of uh, seeing Altior's ass. and his only poor run at the Cheltenham Festival came when they purposely tried to change tap to get Altior beaten which was the correct thing to do if you can't beat him riding him from the front, then holding him up and trying to pick up the pieces was a logical step for them to make, even though it didn't pay off. So I don't hold that against him at all. His, his record is just just so, so solid, isn't it? If you're, if you're Paul Townend, who would you who would, would you be siding with Min in this? I think he'll side with Min, and then his price will contract significantly on the 
when 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 that's announced. I want, him to, I want him to ride on the horse so that we can get a bigger price on Min. Oh, I thought I'd, I wouldn't be sure just because he has ridden our hole uh, more recently than than, uh, than he has on Min. Uh, Patrick's taken the ride the last twice. I, I know one of them was due to circumstance because Paul went to Shack, uh, Paul went to Cork to ride Shack and Porsoir the day Min won the John Durkin. But he hasn't he hasn't actually got aboard Min since he won the Ryanair last season. Apart, you know, on the track, obviously, I'm sure. I'm sure he's with him at home a hell of a lot. I wouldn't know. I genuinely wouldn't be able to guess. And obviously, there's no Patrick or David anymore, so there's a really, really nice spare ride going for someone there. Black- Give it Holly Doyle. Blackmore. Fucking hell, Jeff. If in doubt, just stick Holly Doyle on. Jump it like a stag. But seriously, they're two plums. But you think Danny, Danny's going to be on one of them? Either Min or Mellon or Alaho, and then it's up between Rachel Blackmore or Brian Cooper for a for a, for a shot a shot on one of them horses, and it it'd be lovely. If, I think it'd be lovely if it's Super Cooper because he's he's become a resurgent jockey, especially the last two seasons, especially how he was treated and treated before with, with Giggins Town, and it's it's nice to see him. I know he he rides out at Mullins is quite a bit now, so it's it's nice if he he can have that shot and and duly deliver. Agreed. I'm a massive fan of Brian Cooper, and uh, he's, when he's been riding for the Norlands, he's he's done an excellent job, and I think he's a superb jockey uh, that's underappreciated, really. Sorry, Jim, I was just smiling to myself because when when you said the no, when he said he's been riding for the Norlands, it made me think of Colleen Nolan and that lot. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I could hear the little chuckle in the background, and I thought, you know what, he's he's found something funny out of this. Yeah, no, look, Min, Min's won seven Grade Ones. Across his career, he's have just I got been... my stats wrong? I said eight grade ones. Oh, I have him. I have him in seven in my notes. Maybe, uh, I've, maybe I've just added this year's Ryanair to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to do some counting while I'm talking now. Uh, but yeah, you're you're right, pal. This, he's just got the least to prove. Uh, it is seven. Uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of these, and like 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 Matt said, you'd be, you'd been happier to see him pull up early enough last time than if he was beaten on merit. He was beaten because he wasn't right. Uh, Alaho is a horse I've I've been lukewarm on for a long time. You know, I didn't like him really last season. I went into this season. I think I tweeted he was the number one horse I wanted to be against this year uh, because that, that is what I see him as. I, I, I see him as horrifically tripless and it worried me because I, I quite liked what he did at Furless last time I don't think the form's very good I, I don't really know how Ellie May translates into open company because she generally only races against mares and those the other geldings in behind were just so badly out of form you know Alaho beat the third by 82 lengths. So, like, like, I, like I said, you know, you, you could have stuck, you could stuck, you could have stuck Sussex Road in there, and he might have finished third, given how bad everything else was. Uh, I, I think Alaho needs another, needs a Ryanair for the Ryanair. He needs some sort of race over two, two seven, and that might seem to best effect. But I just, I just genuinely don't think. The race that would see Alaho to his optimum effect exists in the calendar anywhere. Doesn't stay three miles properly against uh, 
top class three miles. He can get away with it against inferior opposition, but at the top level, no. And I don't think he's particularly pacey for a two and a half miler. Yeah, I want to get him beat. Uh, of those you said, like you said, Jim, Imperial Aura's form doesn't merit him being six to one. Not a single thing. He's he's beaten one horse rated above 160 in his life, and that was Real Steel, when Real Steel was really bad at Ascot. Other than that, he's only been beating the occasional 150s horse. And look, can can you even take that Ascot grade 2 form? Particularly, literally, he's beaten a horse who, who unseated and is now retired in Black Cotton. A horse who Ollie Murphy doesn't know what he is in itchy feet because he's gone back over hurdles with him. And a horse who was really not fired for Paul Nichols at all this season in real steel. The, the Carlisle race looks bad on paper. Nothing. He should be 12. He should be double his price. Uh, Melody's not from 18 in grade ones. That's enough said. Uh, <laughs> Ken Boy. I don't understand the Ken Boy here. I don't understand that. Ken Boy is a three miler. All of his best form comes over three miles. He's won a Punchestown Gold Cup. He's won a Bowl. He's won the Savills Chase. He's won an Irish Gold Cup. Right? So they're going to run him over two and a half miles because he doesn't like Cheltenham? He's what? Going, I think I think Mullins has said he's going Gold Cup. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, he shouldn't be, should be anywhere near the festival. Let alone, he should be at Aintree rather than Cheltenham, but he's going Gold Cup, I believe. Good. Because the logic behind... Because people were saying it after they won the Irish World Cup, oh, maybe Kenboy, maybe Kenboy for the Ryanair. It's not like like the problem for the Gold Cup isn't the trip, it's the track. And this is the same track, so the problem is still there, and it's running a horse at something he's worse at. There is no logic to that idea whatsoever, so I'm glad it's not happening. The one to chase Minhome will be Fakir Duderi, I think. The price has gone from him a little bit. But he he does have a very, very good Cheltenham record. Chase put the kettle on home in the Arkle last season. Done fine this year. Ran reasonably well against Shackland Porsoir, to be fair. Probably gave Shackland the biggest fright he's had for a while uh, in the Dublin chase at Christmas. The step up in trip is probably what he wants. I'd have ran him in the Marsh last season rather than the Arkle, if I'm honest. Back to Cheltenham is what he wants. He beat Mellon albeit getting weight in a beginner's chase at the start of last season. I think he's got very, very solid place claims, and Matt spoke brilliantly about St. Calvados as well. He too should be there and thereabouts at his best, being a little bit of an awkward season for him. Though he did travel in the manner of a very, very good horse in the King George before he just blew out. He's He's got a good each-way chance as well. Mr. Fisher needs to prove he's up to this level, like you said. Uh, how can anyone trust Sam Crow? Dashiell Drasher is a lovely, lovely animal, and we all like him. But this needs to be another step up again, because the Ascot Chase was a Grade One only in name rather than in terms of form. And there's nothing else here that particularly interests me. Real Steel, if he's able to bounce back, and same for Chris's Dream, who I can see why they're coming back down in trip. He shaped well enough in the Gold Cup for a while last season, and only got beaten a neck by the Storyteller at Christmas. I like him back over this trip. 25s might be a slightly overpriced, but look, this is a deep race, and he probably needs two or three to underperform to, underperform to hit the frame here. Uh, a hat trick of mins then, lads. <laughs> back of the net. All aboard. Yeah. All aboard the min train. How many... 
I can't believe that on a on a Cheltenham uh, Festival preview podcast for a grade one, we've got all three people agreeing about a horse that got pulled up last time. <laughs> it's a certainty, lads. Get on. Uh, moving on to the three oh five, it's the Stayers Hurdle, and they currently bet eleven to four Paisley Park to beat Time Hill at Freeze, seven to one Sire de Burley, eight to one Kenboy. Uh, as Matt said, goes to the Gold Cup. Eight to one Roxana. Oh, I'd run her here, but it looks like the mares is where they're going at the minute. Tens for Champ goes Gold Cup. Twelves for the storyteller, who I'd love to have seen in the Gold Cup, but he comes here and he has a chance. Twelves also Florin Porter. Fourteens next destination. Surely goes over fences. Same price vindication. Interesting. Liz Nagar Oscar is fourteens. So is Fury Road, and then 16s, if the cap fits, and Beacon Edge. Jim, you've been head of the Paisley Park fan club for a long time here, mate, and I'm assuming you think he wins this. Oh, yes, it, it continues. Just before I start, Vindication, I, I give you hundreds on him to win this race. I think there's absolutely zero chance he's got in this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's more chance of me running round than him. Um, 2019 winner Paisley Park um, obviously was disappointed in the race last season with the fibrillating heart uh, I thought his second time Hill on return was good um, showed that uh, he was still in the heart that he was in before if you pardon the pun um, and he did come from the clouds at Ascot uh, in the long walk where he got himself in a bit of trouble hit his flat spot and uh, got stuck behind some uh, maybe horses that weren't up to the quality and he absolutely flew home um, to beat the alleged idled uh, Time Hill. And, I mean, this race could be really tactically interesting to see how the two juggernauts of this division in Paisley and Time Hill square off for the finale. Well, we'll probably see him again, but it just feels like a bit of a finale um, to the end of the season for these two, whether they'll go on elsewhere to Punch's Town or wherever will certainly uh, be interesting. But these two have faced each other um, three, twice already this season, 1-1 one, one each, and Richard Johnson's going to have to use Time Hill's speed. I think he'll have learnt a lot from him last time. Um, just looked... A lot of people said he looked idle later on, but I just think he's not as strong a stayer on that ground as late on. And I feel like the stay's hurdle is often, you need to be that behind the bridle sort of horse that Paisley is and your big books are. Um, but Time Hill almost feels a slight bit too classy, if you get what I mean. Um, like, I know last season's Albert Bartlett, the, the potato race, he's normally a proper potato race. Um, he... Like the front four last year, I think were exceptions because they were fairly classy animals. And going into this, I'm slightly wary of Time Hill. He might be too classy to win a race like this, um, which I think I'm giving him enough enough respect in that aspect. But I just feel like he doesn't want to roll his sleeves up and get down and dirty. Whereas Paisley, you know, will be bumped along with six furlongs to go. He'll respond slightly to pressure and he'll absolutely roll up that hill and get his head in front once again. Like you said with Roxana, it's, it's interesting um, where she will be going. Um, I think I was of the opinion she should go to this race, but now that race, the mare's hurdles cut up, I think um, that's quite confident on her to win that race. Florin Porter is a horse that's on the upgrade since 
going forward and stepping up to three miles. I know um, he'd done a lot of his progression in handicaps and he stepped up last time to win that Christmas hurdle, beat inside the Berlin, the storyteller. Fury, uh, Fury Road was in that and uh, French Dynamite, who was out the other day. He's interesting because he's only six and and he's done a lot of progression this season in a short space of time. And it's it's interesting how he'll get ridden in this. Jonathan Moore's going to have to have a good think about it because the second last is just before, well, it's before the bend and there's a fair amount of running to do before you get to the last. Now, I think being no crowd might help him and not won't buzz him up as much because he will be in front turning for home. He will be towing them along. It's when he goes. And it's, it's the same with Dickie Johnson. He'll be sat behind. Obviously, Dickie Johnson's of more experience, but I can imagine him be sitting behind Florin Porter, waiting to go, waiting to go, whereas Paisley will be already off the bridle. It's a fairly long run to get to the last and I think if you're Jonathan Moore riding flooring part, you're going to have to wait until the last minute. Um, same with Time Hill and, and Dickie Johnson, because you just need that extra spurt late on, and, and, and they need to save as much energy as possible. The race could already be away from them by then. They have Pisley Parks flying down the uh, rail. I, but I, I'm, I'm not ruling out flooring Porter. He's certainly a horse on the upgrade, and he's where the speed's going to be. There's not a lot of other speed in the race that you can see. Um, there's only going to be a little Rockefeller who, if he turns up here, who'll probably pester him from the front, and um, which makes makes me think he's of interest at 12s. But I'm all aboard the Paisley Park Express. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's equally as classy as Time Hill, but he likes to get down and dirty, and I, I'd love him to regain his crown and um, steal it off Liz Nagar Oscar as well. Interesting, mate. Very interesting. Matt, where are you leaning at this stage, mate? I think it's going to be the same as, as as we just had in the Ryanair, in the sense that me and Jimbo are going to agree with Paisley Park again, because of, of all the reasons he said to start, brilliantly analysed. And just before getting into this, this is a hell of a race for a stayers hurdle, thank God for once. You know, we've been we've had some poor renewals in recent years of this race as, as a three-mile staying hurdle, because everyone's either gone chasing or down the champion hurdle route so it's good to see two real top class performers battling it out but I thought it obviously wasn't on the ratings but visually Paisley Park winning the long walk was one of his best performances given what we we've already covered his well documented problems and the fact that he hit he hit real trouble turning for home when he would usually be racing behind the bridle and off the bridle which is hard enough anyway I know Ruby Walsh said like big bucks, you want these stays heard, staying herders to be ridden behind the bridle, but you don't want them to be getting interference when turning in for the home straight. And he he motored home, so there's there's nothing wrong with Paisley Park's heart, as you can clearly see. With that he was all heart when winning that. And the scary thing is, I think he's he's still not back to anywhere near his best best form. Mm-hmm. I think visually it was a, one of his best performances, but performance wise and ratings wise, I think he can still get back up to that level where we saw him trounce his rivals in the cleave hurdle, then come come to Cheltenham and actually d- demolish his opposition again in the stairs hurdle. I mean, horses we've seen come back from heart fibrillation problems. Sprinter Sacra and Denman both fully recovered and went and, and did magnificent stuff still afterwards. Obviously, it took Sprinter a bit more time than Denman, but there's no reason to then... It, I almost think you could dismiss the argument about a heart fibrillation this year for Paisley Park, because at least they've found it and got it sorted out. Uh, regarding Time Hill, 
yeah, I don't think he idled last time either. I think he got the run of the race really, um, and just wasn't didn't didn't go on as you'd have, as you'd have hoped in in a, in, a, in a battle really, and, and got caught. Um, that's twice now he's he's had luckless in inverted commas. I think the Albert Bartlett one was incredibly. He had no luck whatsoever. Uh, that wouldn't fuss me at this stage, and he definitely still very unexposed at this level. Um, if you were Richard Johnson, you'd be also wary of what happened last year because they're going to get a big field here again in the status hurdle. They always do now. It's not going to be a an eight or nine runner contest like the long walk or the long distance hurdle. It's going to be similar to the Archie Bargy that we saw in the Albert Bartlett last year. And, and Dickie will need to be wary to that to not be caught in the pockets again with Time Hill, especially if, if people do think he's not the gamest in front and, and, and won't put himself down for a battle. So that would be really interesting tactically. But I think Paisley Park, he, he does edge it for me. And it would be incredibly fantastic to see him do it. The vibes from speaking to Emma are, are very, very good. And her, her runners are running to form 64%, which is the highest in the race. So they're in, they're in very, very good heart. Again, another ridiculous time to, to put the heart pun in there. But and it would be, be wonderful, really, wouldn't it, wouldn't it, for racing as well, with everything that's happened if Paisley Park goes and, and bolts up? Oh, it'd be class. Yeah, it'd be class. And that... I'm sorry to make it another hat trick, but I'm with you again. Oh, oi, oi. Get two match balls out. I think Paisley Park wins this. Look, there's very, very little between him and Time Hill. And I'm so glad that this is meeting, that the meeting here in the trilogy. I mean, Paisley Park didn't end up running in the, in the cleave uh, when it was rescheduled. But, you know, for a brief period when, peop- when it was mooted that they were both going to turn up. No! Have this as a trilogy. No one watches the fourth boxing match between two people, do they? <laughs> so this this is what we want. You know, they've each hand, they've handed each other a beating already this season. Time Hill outspeeded uh, Paisley Park at Newbury, and then Paisley Park with a fantastic staying performance from behind to overhaul Time Hill late and get up by a neck in the long walk. And that's kind of how I see them. I think Time Hill's a little bit more of a quickener. I think Paisley Park's a little bit more of a grinder and a stayer. You know, he will be off the bridle a hell of a long way from home. And I think Cheltenham will will exacerbate the balance uh, further towards Paisley Park than, than even than Ascot did. That stiff hill, that finish. You know, Paisley Park has always looked at his best at Cheltenham. And I, I just think the course will play to his strengths. Better than it will for Time Hill. Time Hill will get first run. And if he's able to put the distance between himself, whilst Paisley hits his flat spot, that's where the bother could be in. But a similar situation occurred at Ascot last time, and Paisley Pack was still able to overhaul him. I think they'll be the first two, though. I do think they'll be the first two. It'll be a great race. Uh, Sire de Burley just isn't particularly a horse I've taken to look the potential win last season was very very good off a big weight not sure exactly what the form of the list Mullen hurdle is up to you know when Ronald Pump came down I think he was probably a little bit below running below form anyway but French Dynamite six shooter haven't really uh, shown loads after that going into open or better graded races and again, the, the Leopardstown Christmas Hurdle was a funny, funny race. Florin Porter got such an easy lead. He, I 
can't see him being able to replicate it. Gavin Cromwell's done a fantastic job with him for a horse who was rated in the low 120s this time last season to be, you know, to have a grade one win with him and potentially go off, you know, about tens for a stayers hurdle. But he will not get things his way that easily, probably ever again in his life. I love the storyteller. One of my favourite horses in training. One of the most consistent horses at the top level around. Not being out of the first two in any of his last seven starts. Runner-up in the Irish Gold Cup. Runner-up to Florin Potter over hurdles at Christmas. And he won the Down Royal Champion Chase as well back in October. <sighs> Has form to make up, though, on side of Burley from their last Cheltenham appearances to- together. He did turn the tables at Leopardstown. It might be between the pair of them for third. I prefer both of them to Florin Porter, even though Florin Porter turned them over at Christmas. I have the Irish number one staying hurdler as Ronald Pump, and he's injured, which is a shame because he was each way value uh, before his injury. I think he was still about 16, which would have been worth bearing in mind. <laughs> if there is a price in here, it's got to be Liz Nagar Oscar, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, with the first one with the storyteller, you've completely taken the words out of my mouth as well. In that, I think he's peaking this season only as a ten-year-old as well. If you look at, it, he was slightly inconsistent previously, but he's taken his form to an absolute new level this year, both over fences and hurdles. And I'm, I'm confident in for the Grand National as well. So I don't mind however he runs here, but I think he will put up another bold, bold bid and is vastly underappreciated horse by the racing community. Um, I think he'll start to be appreciated now, but I think he's just a cracking solid horse, isn't he? That you'd really one in these contests, and I agree with you on Liz Nagar Oscar as well, whose form come the turn of the new year is two one three fallen uh, two one three fallen three five one one. Uh, that's going backwards, obviously, so because he was second at Haydock last time, which is which is a very respectable run. So he obviously comes alive at this time of the year, and that's by no coincidence on his form book either. There, there is something there in which makes him go, "Here we go." It's getting warmer now. The nights are getting longer. It's time for me to start performing. Um, and it'd be interesting to see. I'm sure it'll be Sean Bowen riding him now, wouldn't it? I'd assume so. I'd assume so. Look, uh, yeah, like you said, Matt, I don't. The Rendlesham, I think, is normally a weak grade two, but I think it was well up to scratch this season for a grade two staying hurdle. On the blind side, has been really, really good this season. Main fact, I know he flopped in grade one company, but he is a horse who won the. Uh, the old fixed brush. So him taking a step up into a grade two level is exactly what you'd expect of a fixed brush winner. Itchy feet, I know, as you say, we don't really know what he is, but he's a good mid-150s horse. Emmy Tom, I never really get, never really understood the hype about. He ran well in this race last season, but he's been, he was poor at Haydock. And I think his form is looking half patchy nowadays. Uh, so yeah, I can see Liz Nagaros could go in well again this, this time around. Uh, I'd have loved to have seen the storyteller running the Gold Cup. I mentioned him uh, back in January, I think, on the podcast when he was 33s. And then he didn't feature in the entries a week later. I was fuming. Uh, but he, he comes in here in, in the form of his life, like, like Matt said. Love for him to go well. But I think Paisley Park wins this. Getting, I think he'll only be in front after the last and maybe not too far from the line. But I think he he gets there in time to overhaul Time Hill. I think there's a fair amount of distance between the pair of them and the likes of Cider Burley as well. Uh, before we briefly move on, uh, Matt, you're really keen on Roxana for the stayers as well. 
Well, I mean, it, it looks like a weaker race. Do you think the improvement she's shown over three miles up is just in her all-round game now? Yeah, well, well I, hope, I hope it's the mares rather than the stairs. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say that. <laughs> is that what I've said? I've, to, I've said it again. It's been a long week, lads. It's all right. The mares, the mares and the stairs, we, we, we know which ones are like more high quality this year. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so keen on Roxana for the mares hurdle. Um, if I just delve back to my notes for the first day, I mean, I've got it all colour-coded here as well, which should really help. Here we go. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I put it down as one of the, not, not, a, not, a, not banker material, as I said to Jimbo in a message a couple of days ago, but she's <laughs> a really strong fancy. You know, I don't think it's just the three miles. I think she, with age, she's matured. She's always seemed a bit quirky. You can see it with her tail and how she flashes her tail sometimes. But now she just looks like she's got a motor in underneath her again. And her form, yes, it's been fantastic at three miles. You know, going back, even back to that, Ryanair, is it the Ryanair stairs they call it now at, at Aintree? That what, what was the Liverpool hurdle, or, or could be still only beaten whatever a neck in in a, in a three mile grade one, and even over a shorter trip, that form is head and heels above what Constantista has achieved in her career so far. I know Constantista is, is an unexposed anything really, and she was very very impressive at Cheltenham last year, but the form of that mare's hurdle last year is is. Is piggy, I think it can only be described as, because you know Rainer's World was third at 100 to one, and it's done very very little this season, and very very few in, in behind have done very very little, and it's just you know Roxana, she's been there, done that before as well, and you're thinking I'm I'm not one to read in too much about two mile four and three miles. I think you can if you can do one, you can definitely do the other. So yeah, I, I think she's a marvelous marvelous horse. And as we've seen with the mares, you you do need someone with stamina to win that. I think Honey Suckle, if we if we really wanted to, would would go very well and probably win the stairs hurdle over three miles as well. Obviously, she won the mares hurdle last year. So she's a superstar. But you go back to Quavega, five five times, six times winner, sorry, um, who was a stayer as well from what she achieved at Punchestown. So I think she's a very very. Incredible. I think she's the candidate for the, for the mayor's hurdle, and I don't get the hype around Constantista whatsoever. And it's a bit embarrassing that she is as short in the market as she is. Bold oh, calls there. Again, I'd, I'd semi agree with you on the fact that I, I think Constantista is a beatable favourite, but I'm not sure exactly what with. I love Roxanne at all. She's hard as nails, isn't she? She'd, I, she'd love to go to war with her. And I, I re watched her Ascot win. Uh, the other day, and that that was arguably the most impressive graded victory I've seen all season. In yes. in in any you know in any graded race hurdle or chase, even better than Monkfisher's Flowgas for me. It, it, obviously, the opposition wasn't quite there, but just in terms of visual impression, it was ridiculous. You think as well, she she got within was it a, a length and a bit of Paisley Park and Time Hill in that long walk hurdle. That is yeah. very, very, very good form. And they were miles clear of the rest in that. So even if Time Hill and Paisley Park weren't here, thankfully they are, she would be head and heels the best staying hurdler in Britain. You know, she's a fantastic, fantastic horse. And we can't even go on to the form of the Skeletons this season. They've been flying throughout. And I don't think, I think there's very, very little chance that that will stop at the festival. I think even for some handicaps, they're in, they've got some incredibly decent chances. And I think I think it would it would cap off a really fine season for the skeletons if Roxana can get another grade one under her belt. 
Brilliant, mate, yeah. Some mayor, I'll definitely be cheering her on, no matter whether I have money on her or not. Uh, Penalty Park for all three of us, then. It sure is. This is I, I, we weren't all planning to all pick the same horses, were we? <laughs> not one bit. Not one bit. You make sure to put the warning in before you send the podcast out. <laughs> we pick winners, lads. That's what we're here to do. We pick winners. Uh, moving on to the 340, it's a Paddy Power Plate Handicap Chase. And they currently bet best prices. 8-1 to one for Far Class and Conflated. 10th Chatham Street, lad. The Shunter, Coco Beach. Feast Derry as well. 12th Caribbean Boy, Umbrigado, A Wave of the Sea. 14th Live Love Laugh, Sam Crow, Mr Whittaker, Michuka, Ibleo, Eldorado Allen. 16th for Shattered Love, Old Grangewood, Midnight Shadow, Deffy Blur, Precious Cargo, and Fanion, Destruval, and Farmix. Uh, Jim, I'll come to you first here, mate. A pair of Jiggins Town runners at the top here, far class and conflated. Yeah, it, it's not a race that fills me with much enthusiasm. Um, conflated bumped into Monkfish last time and uh, had won that beginner's chase fairly impressively. Um, this race is sort of might see it might have to be fairly highly weighted than normal to win this race because with the removal of the novice handicap uh, it's almost like horses have just decided to go to this instead Um, and that's what you feel like a bit with conflated uh, and uh, far class to to some extent and I mean I I don't fancy I don't like backing or really fancying Shorter price favourites in in these sorts of races. I know I've tipped up um, Champagne Platinum in the Potemps at a fairly well six to one's a measly price in a race of that nature. Um, this feels like this race has been for the English has been run about seven times this year at Cheltenham. We had the Caspian Caviar, um, a similar sort of race to this, uh, and there's a the Sue Smith Jane Midnight Shadow. Um, was a good novice chaser um, after being a, a fairly decent hurdler. If you go back, win, won the Rel Keel in 2019, um, second in the Silly Isles, and a fortunate winner of the Dipper, of course, champ departing fairly late on there. Um, was disappointing in the old Rome and the stable weren't going well, but bounced back to form to be a, a good second in that Caspian Caviar that, I, that I've already mentioned. Um, a nice cheeky run over hurdles. I, I know he pulled up and um, wasn't really travelling. Once again, the stable had been quite hot and cold this season. Uh, and that day, they were very cold. Um, but they tried to preserve his mark over hurdles. They blew the cobwebs away in February. Um, he's a course and distance winner. Still off a mark of 149. I think that Sue Smith could have a very good day uh, with Midnight Shadow in this at 20s. I, I, I feel like... He bumped into one in the Caspian Caviar, obviously, in Chatham Street, lad. Clearly well handicapped. He beat the field by 12 uh, if he wasn't in the race. And he's only a pound higher, which, for me, makes him of serious interest in here. Caribbean boy, there's been a lot of talk about him. He beat Fiddler on the Roof um, on his reappearance in the race. when He'd, been a, he'd done all right in, uh, in early season chases, um, having come from France and... Uh, he was disappointing behind Dashwood Drasher, but we know the form of that since been matched up a bit. He was then dropped down to two miles um, at Sandown on heavy ground, which I didn't think was necessarily his bag. Better ground over two five will seem to certain better effect, and 
he's slightly unexposed in comparison to the others and I, I feel like there's a little bit more progression to come from him and Daniel Jacobs has been glowing about him in the last couple of days from what I've been reading and what I've heard. Interesting, mate. Some reasonable shouts there. Uh, Matt, are you going to be siding with either of the Jigginstown pair? Uh, no, I'm not. And unlike last year, we haven't got we haven't got a simply the bets or anyone in in this field again. In my opinion, um, I deliberately sort of held back off spirit of the games when talking about the, in him in the per temps because looking at his form, it, it probably is more likely that he will be ending up at this in this race. And if he does, it's all. A mark of one four five of offences he's he is capable of. But, uh, they might feel he's reached his, his peak offences now as he's, as he's been regressing slightly and eased in the weights. But you're thinking that he was beaten only five lengths in this race last year off a mark of one four nine. Has backed that up this season when second in the Paddy Power, Power Paddy Power Gold Cup in November on the old course off a mark of one four eight. But was also ahead second in the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup in 2019. And in, a, in another great competitive grade three, Handicap Chase was runner-up again off marks of 146 and 149, respectively. I know he hasn't won since he goes, go, he's going back a long, long time now, back to back to his Novice Chase debut at Chepstow in that good listed contest. But you're thinking a wild mark of 145, if he does take this up, and again, I'll, I'll put both cases up for his hurdles case and his chase case, just so I don't contradict myself. You're thinking 145, the handicap is he's giving him a chance to get back in, in the winning groove, or at least in the place groove. And I also think Dan Skelton's other other challenger in this race, who's more more than certain probably to go for this, old, is old Grangewood, who, you know, he's 10 now, but has some good form next to his name still again this season, you know, wasn't disgraced in the in the old Roan chase. Beaten only three lengths by Clondor Castle at Newbury in a race he, he tends to do really well in on, on better ground and, and does thrive on the better ground more often than not behind Clondor Castle, who has gone on to win the what was the old racing post, was it now, the Close Brothers at, at Kempton, was, was was running really well for a long way at Warwick in February before unseating, which was slightly uncharacteristic of him. But before that, again, he has a winning course and distance form, beating none other than St. Calvados. The only thing for me would be his, he might, 146 might be asking a bit of him for winning now. But I think, again, I think the skeletons have got a plenty in here who are very strong, handicap contenders yeah that's all very very fair mate I can see where you're coming from uh, I think Jim has just mentioned the horse I like which is Midnight Shadow Cheltenham form is, is bang up there really he was sixth in the marsh last season like Jim said second to Chatham Street lad uh, on his last start over fences in the Caspian Caviar. He was also a good hurdler here at Cheltenham as well. He was able to win the Relkeel on New Year's Day two years ago where he got the better of Holstone. Also won the Dipper on that same card a year later. You know, to say the Caspian Caviar was his handicap debut over fences, he really does just bump into an absolute freak. And the fact that he's only being put up one pound just means he's entirely worth another go at this. And there's surely no other races for him at Cheltenham. He's 16 to 1. We know he likes a track. You know, he's on a very, very fair mark. And there's not much else here that 
I'm particularly keen on that. I think has as few questions to answer as Midnight Shadow. I can see the far class case. Former Triumph Hurdle winner, obviously, and he's done well uh, chasing this season. Running some early season, obviously, chases during the summer last year, but we didn't see any more of him. Came back handicapping this season and has finished in the first three, uh, sorry, in the first five of three good, solid Irish handicap chases, including the Paddy Power and the Leopardstown handicap chase on his last two starts. Probably didn't quite stay uh, the three in the Paddy Power over Christmas either. So his, his, look, his form is very, very solid. Hard to knock off roll stones at. Conflaters have got a very Cheltenham novice in a handicap profile. Been getting beaten by good horses. Third behind Monkfish at Christmas. He'd also finished second to Asterian Falunge in a beginner's chase. And also behind Darvis Star earlier in the season. Not quite sure that whether he's as much upside to his mark though of 149. That looks very, very steep for me for a horse who wasn't a 149 hurdler and has, you know, has won one silver fences when he, the favourite that day, the big getaway, clear underperformed and the runner up opposite, opposites attract. He's beginning to look semi hard to win with and he's not the He's not a particularly good jumper either. I'd prefer Farclass to Conflated out of the two at the top of the market, although Conflated does have that sort of profile. Uh, do we know whether Chatham Street Lads come in here? I don't, I don't think... I've not a clue. Do we, does uh, Mick Winters even speak to people? And if so, do we understand what he says? No racism on this podcast, Watson. Uh, <laughs> look, the manner of his victory last time, uh, but he was at Cheltenham, would give him another right chance of £10 up in the weights. He's got more chance of winning this than winning the Marshall. I'd run him here. I think the Shunter's connections have said they're leading towards the county. Are they I'm, really? I'm sure I read that today. Oh, I, I was for sure thinking uh, they might wait till the Friday. The county is on the Friday. I've just had an absolute brainwave. What a genius I am. <laughs> All these Cheltenham Festival previews gone to my head. I mean, oh hell! Yeah, Coco Beach isn't coming here. Uh, Fizz do the reason similar enough profile to Conflated. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure whether there's too much juice in their match, which leads me to a semi-exposed, but exposed as being good enough to pose a threat in a race like this of Midnight Shadow. I normally, I normally really like one in the plate, and I don't this year. It's really odd that in three, well, I could say four races, that we both fancy the same horses. That's very rare. Oh, mate, it's going to be an absolute shit show if they all get beat. <laughs> Let's just hope they don't. Absolutely guaranteed to happen. It isn't, it isn't, I love these sort of big handicap chases, but this, there's just nothing really that excites me in this field this season. Uh, not, not particularly. Live, love, laugh, almost won. As again, uh, the other day, but surely the top of him is going to be his race if he does win one. I don't know how a horse keeps running so well without winning as Live Love Laugh does in this sort of events, but uh, Aintree, back of my mind for him. So it's Midnight Shadow for me, Jim. Midnight Shadow for me as well. And Matt? Uh, either or, um, depends who turns up. If sure the game turns up, it'd be, he'd be for me. 
um, in either this race or the, or the Perth Temps as well as in each way squeak or his uh, stable companion Old, Old Grange Wood, especially if the ground is on the, the just the slower side of good but better than soft. Fair enough, fair enough, lads. We'll move on then to the Dawn Run Novices Hurdle. This is registered, uh, sorry, it's sponsored as a Dalesford Novices Hurdle. And they currently bet best prices 5 to 1 Hookup, 5 to 1 Roses Hollow, and 5 to 1 Royal Kahala, tight at the top of the bay. 8 to 1 Golwas, 10s The Glancing Queen, Riviere de Tell, Glens of Antrim. 12, Sky Ace, 14, Ponteval, telling me something, girl. 20, Santa Rosa, and Magic Days. Matt, I'll come to you here first, mate. 5 to 1, the field for this race is a very, very rare thing. There's normally some Mullins hot pot that everyone wants to be on. There normally is. But we've, also, we've also got yet another new sponsor for this race this year. It's now sponsored by Parnell Properties. So, is it? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, we could, it could be the Turf Talk Mayor's Novice held next year, for all we know. <laughs> so... Yeah, it, it feels like it's a poor renewal this year. I, I don't, I'm not entirely infused by it. Um, would you say there's a grade one horse to come out of this? Probably not. That's going to put it up to the likes of even even the likes of Concertista. Um, I'm going for one who's probably got the, one of the more experience in the field racing wise, not just necessarily over hurdles, but the Glancing Queen for me it is a very open renewal. And she's also getting five pounds from Rosie's Hollow, at, at, who's towards the top of the market, and Goulars as well. Her cup just, just as a horse, I've just not taken to yet. Very good performance behind. Appreciate it in the Chanel Farmer, but needs to back that up because it was fifty to one that day, and we don't know whether that was a fluke or not. Uh, Rosie's Hollow, yet yeah, could be the classy one of the field, given her it was a very nice performance in the Solarina. Royal Kahala again. Not entirely infused by her, nor Gorlars, uh, which leaves me really with with the glancing queen who would have hated that ground, or well, not not necessarily hated it because one is, has one at Bangor, but won't be is not seeing best effects on the heavy ground, and we know she she's tactically and and distance wise she's very versatile too, and if we're linking this to the form of what we think is a very strong challenge, obviously hurdle between Stargate and Brave Man's Game, she was more than respectable in finishing third in that behind who we know might be a future future Denman. And, you know, she wouldn't have been finely tuned up for Exeter either, really. And also, she's, she's raised... She's, and she, obviously, she, took, she contested the bumper twice. And she was only seven and a quarter lengths behind Envoy Allen in the first year, before going on to win at Aintree in the bumper, where beating Minella Melody, who I know on our previous podcast, people have put up as a, as a, as a shout for the mayors. So she's she is again not underestimated, but she she is just a good horse who I think more than capable of taking another below par renewal of, of the mares novices hurdle. And if I had the chance, this race would be nowhere near the festival. I'd agree. Don't like the race. Won't won't have it. Bring back the noise handicap. Uh, do you know what I like? I like what more than this than doing the attempts or the plate though. But I let Jim Watson talk first. Um, although you've you've all slagged this race off, I think for competitive nature, I think it's a fascinating renewal. Oh, I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good fun. I I, 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 I think I, I like the fact that there's a more open field this year, and, and like you said, there's not a hot pot uh, to dominate. There's 20, there's 32 entries into this race with with 21 of them coming from Ireland. Um, Willie Mullins has absolutely dominated this. 
winning all five runnings of it. Um, he had the first two home in the last two years and um, obviously hookups the uh, sort of idea of, of, of the winner for this for many people. Um, seemingly put in a place by Kahala, uh, Royal Kahala um, at Fairy House. So then hookup stepped into that grade one at, at, at the Dublin Racing Festival. And I thought Ramry had plenty of credit behind it, appreciate it. Um, she's also got the experience from the year before uh, in the Triumph Hurdle, although maybe that was too soon in her career. You look at Concertista, she'd run around the track as well the year before in the same race. Um, Royal Kahala um, appeared to put Hook up in a place at Fairy House, but Willie Mullins's uh, five-year-old just butchered the last. And Royal Kahala was given a £2 and was easing down towards the line, which does look slightly negative on Hookup, but Royal Kahala was then defeated by Rosie's Hollow uh, on her latest start, and Royal Kahala had to give £10 uh, at the weights for two lengths, and Willie Mullins has a few outsiders in this with uh, Glenda Vantrim, uh, the JP McManus owned uh, mare who needs to really improve on a jumping. Um, ran with credit behind Statler, um, and I think the fact that there's only two furlongs on this, uh, uh, there's two hurdles, sorry, in the last seven furlongs on this new course will help Glenda Antrim give a bit of time to uh, get going and might be of a bit of value at a bigger price. Uh, another one at a fairly decent price is, is um, Mighty Blue of Joseph O'Brien's. It was a really, really good flat horse with a peak of 106 in the ratings and isn't bred to be winning races like this, but had three nice starts over hurdles and was behind was fourth behind Royal Kahala, uh, Rosie's Hollow and Galois. But the race didn't really run to to suit and it sort of was getting going further on in the race. Um, if she brushes up in a jumping, I think she'll be of interest as well. Um, a really, really interesting race and difficult to put my finger on what I really like for the race. Um, but I think I'd slightly be siding with Glens of Antrim or Hookup. I think Willie Mullins holds the key. Interesting, lads. Uh, I think Walker Harley wins this. Well, that makes a change, because at least we've not picked the same horse. No, the the four lines between the the top three of the day are, are quite closely interlinking. Royal Kahala gave Hook up a five-length beating at Fairy House earlier in the season and giving her two pounds. That was done fair and square that day. I see no reason as to why Hook up should turn that around, even though she did go and improve the next time uh, when forth to appreciate it. If she backs that form up, then the, the margin should be closer. But I, I don't, I don't see any reason as to why I shouldn't take the five length beating. Literally, even if Hookup has improved slightly. Obviously, the key trial to this race was the Solarina uh, at Fairy House last month, which Rosie's Hollow beat Royal Kahala and Golwas, and as you mentioned, Mighty Blue was fourth. Again, done fair and square. I, I think I think the form of that is. Is viable, you know. I have no reason to mistrust it. Rosie's Hollow uh, is a steady, steady improver, and she beat Royal Kahala by two lengths. Goldwater for a length and a half behind in third. I have no reason not to trust that. The key thing with that though is that Royal Kahala was giving four pounds to Rosie's Hollow that day. This time she gets five. So the swing there is enough to 
for me to state that Royal Carla comes out best at the weights here, uh, having given hook up weight in a beating earlier in the season, and she's got a nine pound swing in her manner with Rose's hollow. Her form overall is just generally very, very solid. You know, three wins this season. I I think she's been the outstanding horse in the division so far. And I'm going to take that on because I, I don't like the glancing queen in this. I think she's... Is she not just exposed now? It's, it's, she's a... You know, her official rating's 131. I think that's just exactly where she is, isn't it? And I'd hope there'd be something better than 131 in this. I, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, she she did have problems. Like, obviously, they, they wouldn't have kept her over bumpers for two seasons, would they? Unless... There, there had been some niggling issue, and obviously she made a reappearance last year in the in the in the champion bumper again. You know, I I, I think she's a frustrating sort. I'd, I'd have been much more confident on her if she had she put a far better performance at Exeter last time. But I just think that shallow form is just too good to ignore. So I think Stargate is, is going to shape between a really really lovely horse as well as Brave Man's Game. So yeah, it's. Just, it's just that that form line is is really sticking in my mind. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I'm I'm, I'm glad you got to take me on with hook. I'll say Golaz did well her her first three starts, but again, not not an obvious reason as to why she should turn the form around with Rose's Hollow and Roel Carlin, especially as again there is a swing at the weights with Roel Carlin this time around. The conditions for this race are absolutely stupid. I'm, <laughs> I need to add that in. I hate... Why are you penalised winning a grade three and a grade two? It's an idiotic rule. It's a joke. It makes no sense whatsoever. I I, I hate it. Uh, Yeah, it shouldn't shouldn't happen. You know, because really, where do they want these horses to run earlier in the season and then turn up at Cheltenham? You know, if if you're penalising mares for winning grade threes earlier in the season, and then having them running a grade two at Cheltenham, what's the point in having this race as a grade two? Because if they're winning good ra- if they're winning good races against their own sex, surely it makes sense for them to be going, well, we don't want to run under a penalty. We'll go and take on the boys, you know, and get weight, rather than having to give it give it away. Mm-hmm. So, so Gorlars, is, she, Gorlars has to carry a penalty for winning a listed race at Thurless, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's a it joke. That just doesn't make any sense for a Grade Two contest. It doesn't go with it doesn't go with the algorithms. No, whoever invented that idea, uh, come on this podcast and, and we'll verbally bray you. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe they could explain. How about they explain why they said that, and then maybe we'll bray them. <laughs> Sorry, Jim, I've already got my pitchfork out, lad. Uh, Royal Kahala for me uh, under no penalty. <laughs> Glens of Antrim for me and the Glancing Queen for me lovely stuff uh, that'll be the first time then all of us think Willie Mullins well Jim does but Willie Mullins won't win it with his first string he has won it with his second or third string a couple of times to be fair to him and the last race of the Thursday is the 450 it's the Kim Muir handicap chase no amateur riders this season Uh they currently bet best prices five to one. Time to get up. Run wild. Freddy sixes. Tens hold and alt. Twelves. Jerry's back and Daisy Abba. Fourteens. Plan of attack. Dimmer machine. Sixteens. Good old Shantu flyer. Jim's mate. Magical slave. 
and Mount Ida, and then 20s for about 10 horses. I can't be bothered reading them all out. Uh, Matt, I don't think this is a great race this season. I think, in in general, the Kimura is one of my least favourite races of the festival, but... Um, as I'm on the Day 3 podcast, I'll try and make it sound as exciting as possible. <laughs> the favourite one-mile thread has been, people have been piling onto him for this race for, for a long time. And on the form books, you can see why, you know, four lengths, second in the in the Thiestes last time behind Coco Beach, but also has respectable form. Previously behind useful performance, Longhouse Poet, Home by the Lee, and latest exhibition. See, and he's a great three winner over hurdles, beating your National Hunt Chase selection, Lord Royal. So he, he is a, a promising sort who they think could be well handicapped off a mark of, of what a chasing mark of 140 in, in this race. Uh, times get up, you know, I, I openly admit I haven't done much research on him apart from knowing that he won at Wincanton last time round, but eight, eight pounds for a, eight pounds for a class three handicap chase victory does really merit being sent from five to one. Again, it could be the, the JP plot job, but who knows? Everyone else has got different opinions. So I just I was I was taken and uh, I know sometimes it's not great to back horses who previously won their races in in these type of handicaps. But Deza, is it Deisha Deza Alba Abba Deza Abba? I think it's Deisha Abba. I've, 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 I did a uh, I genuinely googled that what it means something in, in Irish. That's what I was thinking. Yes, yeah, so Deisha Abba. Um, I thought that was a, a remarkable performance really last time. Um who looked to be going the wrong way earlier in the season, but the cheap pieces worked absolute wonders on him at Sandown, and he it looks to cap off what he would be as, like, his perfection as in his sphere as a racehorse by sticking them cheap pieces onto him, because he had looked a sort of a, a difficult sort in the past, but that day at Sandown, he was, he was very, very good over his fences and, and kept on incredibly well to win from some really useful handicappers, you know, Kustar Sivola is definitely no mug, being a previous festival winner in the in the Ultima. And make a five pound rise may just not be out of his reach really. And also he had a really respectable effort in this in this race last year as well. I'm just trying to remember where he finished, but he was he was back down the rear of the field last year. He was he was fifth behind Milan Native, eight and three quarter lengths. You know, Milan Native is is quite a good horse, as we know. Um, and he was ridden mid, mid division that day, whereas more prominent tactics were likely to be installed in this race, and maybe even front running, and they could be seen to great effect for him today. And I won't I won't try and pronounce his name again, but <laughs> I, I had a bet on him at fourteen to one a couple of days ago, and thinking, you know, he could be just a revitalised horse, and and still have just an extra little bit more resurgence to come from him. Yeah, I could see that he was good last time out. Borderline on getting into the Grand National this season, I think. If if he does, he'll be either one or two either way, I reckon. I have go it's it's actually spelt wrong. It should be Deshi Abu. It's yes, a, it's a Waterford saying. But uh yeah, it's like definitely red, but in Irish. Uh Jimbo for you mate. I completely disagree with everything Matt has said. Um, I think time to get up in this. I can understand why he's there. Um, very lightly raced with only six starts and three of them in chases. And that, I thought that Wincanton race, when stepped up in trip, um, he seemed to find 
an extra leg. Uh, he absolutely cantered through the race. Um, early on in his career, you look at his form, he was behind Monkfish in a novice hurdle. Uh, on his chase start, he was behind Canelo, which the form of that since been franked. Um, and the, the step up last time, I thought, worked absolute wonders. Um, John Jaws just seeming to get the right idea with him now, having been with Joseph O'Brien. And I thought eight pounds was fairly generous for his win last time. I think he, I think he slightly got away with it. I was expecting a twelve or a, 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 a bit further up in the weights for him. Um, Dishabert is a horse that I really fancied him for the race last year, and it'll break my heart if he wins this. But his jumping's a slight issue for me. I'm, I, although he, he jumped fairly well in the main, uh, he did make quite a few errors. Um, and his jumping round Cheltenham can be properly found out like he did last year. Um, Musical Slave, obviously, I've mentioned two JP McManus horses already. This is a race he sort of enjoys to have a winner in. He, of, of course, the absolute legend that his cause is of, uh, cause of causes, and he's won with any second now. Musical Slave is a horse I've been banging on about uh, for since I thought he was plotted for the Skybet chase and um, he's had good runs as a novice behind Sam's Adventure and Caribbean Boy he was eye-catching when fifth behind Clondor Castle my only issue with him similar to Deschamps going into this race last year was his jumping he loves to take a souvenir home halfway around and um, I'm scared that once again he might, he might be doing that and <laughs> he's 25 to 1 and I thought he was looked after towards late on behind Captain Chaos. And I know he's jumping his paw, but I was lunatic enough to give Deschabers a chance in this race last year. And I think I'm stupid enough to go and give him another chance in this. I, I, I feel like this, the winner of this race will come from JP McManus. Um, I mean, there's also Jerry's back in this who was strongly fancied in the end for that swindley in which Musical Slave was third. Um, but his third behind Dashiell Drasher looks okay. Um, he's just disappointed on in, in some of the big occasions. He was third at the festival behind LeBroy, LeBroy uh, in the National Hunt Chase um, back in uh, 2019. Yeah, by but, about 20 million lengths. Yeah, which <laughs> he never really looked at sea. And, and the time before at Cheltenham, Cheltenham he did as well. I just feel like J.P. McManus has got something in this. It's just what it is. Um, and I'll be banging the drum of Musical Slave once again to win this race uh, because I'd be stupid to desert him at this moment in time. Let's just pray and hope to all of everyone that he doesn't decide to take any part of the fence home with him. I, I tell you what, Richard Johnson's a brave man if he chooses to ride him. I won't be surprised if he tried to pass it over to um, Tom O'Brien. For me, lads, look, the obvious one is the obvious one. Run Wild Fred has looked such a Kim Muir horse all season. He's one of the only horses in this that is A, improving, B, on a good mark, and C, not massively out of form. Uh, he should be favourite. I'm surprised he's drifted to sixes. He's been favourite for this for, what, you know, a good couple of months by now. You know, good novice hurdler last season. Won a grade three at Punchestown on his final start over hurdles. Took him a little while to warm to his task over fences. Uh, you'd probably say three out of his first four starts. 
was slightly disappointing. Wasn't beaten a mile at Limerick on his on his chasing debut, but got turned over at odds on. And his fourth behind latest exhibition is a really, really decent run. Schoolboy was an opposite attract ahead of him there, but you know, that was a, a five left beating from a, a borderline top class horse in latest exhibition. Put his best run over fences up to that stage when uh, second to Longhouse Poet on New Year's Eve. The big dog, who has since come out and won the Punchestown National Trial, was in third. That day he's now up to a mark of 144. And then he ran second behind the equally well handicapped and the moral winner of the Kim Muir, Coco Beach, in the Fiestes. Coco Beach was rated £2 higher than him. He's rated 150 now. So that's a £10 difference, you know. That form line looks really, really strong. The Irish handicap, uh, uh, the Irish handicapper has uh, only raised £2. And for some reason, the British handicapper has chosen to be really, really kind and do the same. I thought he was going to get mullered. But no, 140. They've entered him in the Grand National on his very, very first season over uh, as a chaser. Which isn't something, you know, that he's done too often. He's just the sort of, that's the sort of horse I think he'll develop into. And it's just the exact sort of profile that will go well in this sort of race. I'd be closer to agreeing with Matt on time to get up. Lightly, lightly race, you know, he was runner up to Monkfish in a maiden hurdle last season. Only had six starts for an eight year old. Obviously come from John Joe, sorry, come to John Joe from Joseph O'Brien. Now, I don't think it was a good race that we can't have won, though. The Dick Hunt Trophy. Uh, what a name. Ni- I-, I thought I was just going to let that, let that uh, stay in the air for a, for a bit longer there, the Dick Hunt Trophy. Uh, that should be at Aintree on Ladies' Day. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> no. That's awful. Please never say that ever again. No, uh, no look, he's... It was a good performance, but this is a different kettle of fish against this. Although that being said, I don't think many of these are in form or any good anymore. Hold the note. Does he stay three miles properly? Not convinced. Jerry's back. In and out. Poor last time out. 12 to 1. Not really. Get the Dacia Abba thing. I I could see that. Plan of attack's been bad more than good recently. Which leads me to... Arguably my favourite handicap swing of the meeting at thirty three to one. The mighty Don, if he runs here, will run well. Uh he shouldn't be thirty threes, especially when there are so many out of form horses in the betting. And the might above him in the betting. And the mighty Don isn't out of form. His last two look his form car his form I've done so much Cheltenham previewing that I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> The, fo- the form book says that his last two starts are a P and a zero. But the zero was in a jumper's bumper. This horse wants about four miles, so that was never going to suit him. And the P was up against Yalarenke if the cap fits in the Portman Cup at Taunton. He's not in their league. This is more his level. And prior to that, he'd look fairly decent. He's a second season novice chaser. You know, ran a... Really, really uh, eye-catching staying on second to happy-go-lucky at the December meeting here. Also got the better of Enrillo, who won at 
Newbury on Betfair uh, on Betfair Hurdle Day, where he beat Holden up on his first start of the season at Chepstow. You know that's reasonable form. He was rated uh, a peak of 150 over hurdles. Also ran in the stairs two years ago, finished eighth. His 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 jumping over fences wasn't great at the start. You know I can't I can't deny that. But I think. I think that Cheltenham run back in December, if he replicates that, he'll go very, very close. If he replicates the Chepstow beating of Enrillo, he'll go very, very close. And I think you can excuse his last two poor runs on the basis that one was in a jumper's bumper and one was against horses who would win this doing handstands. Uh, he shouldn't be 33-1. to 1. He's an out-and-out stayer, and that's the sort of horse you want for this race. Fair enough. Can't disagree with that, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of them where... The more I've begun to think about it, the more I like it, and that's and that's worrying me. Uh, but look, it, it is it is a race. If if I was to give any adv- anyone any advice about the kid Muir this season, it would be go and try and find something because horses at tens and twelve to ones like Holden Oat and Jerry's back are far less likely to win the race than half the field at thirty threes than the market suggests. Yeah, ha- you know, there's there's some there's some very few informed horses coming here. Uh, so it's Run Wild Fred and Mighty and the Mighty Don for me. I'll probably back them both. Jim? Um, musical Slave and Time to Get Up. Fantastic. Time to Get Up. What a fitting name for the winner of the Dick Hunt Trophy as well. I've only just caught that as well. But Time to Get Up winning the Dick Hunt Trophy. Race of the season. Performance of the season. What an animal. Uh, and Matt... Well, on that on that note, given this is post war shed, Disha Abar for me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had it a little bit on fourteens. I'm I'm going no, nowhere near the dick on. So we're accepting of all lifestyles here on Turf Talk. Uh, before before we come on to the uh, rating the races nap comp, it's just time to talk about Matt's uh, ten to follow team, which is called the Presbury Cup. Is coming home. <laughs> Someone sounds optimistic. This was in this was in light of, of previous events that happened within the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, it's it's looking increasingly likely it's not coming home now, and we very much need the Southgate in charge of this team. <laughs> so Matt, you've you've got in this side. Appreciate it. Birchdale, but I think you, you said before we started recording that Birchdale will be replaced. Uh, Bob Ollinger, Shakun Porsoir, Fakira, Honeysuckle, Monkfish, Paisley Park, Roxana, and Shishkin. Just going all out for the grey ones, mate. Yeah, I'm going to make a few changes, I reckon, too. I might, I might try and include a few dirty handicappers in there in the bonus races. I didn't realise the Coral Cup isn't a bonus race, so that's why I'd, I'd had Birchdale in there, because um, I think he might be the plot job of the meeting, um, given this is Hendo's. Henderson said that this is going to be his main contender. He's his prime candidate is the words he used for me uh, for the Coral Cup. Um, obviously, it doesn't look the same on form, but it was a confidence-boosting run last time out and is off a far lighter mark than a, when a good eighth in it last year. So we'll see that. Yeah, gone a bit over the grade ones. I might I might change me a bit, but uh, I'm in the same boat as you with Fakira, aren't I, Lou, mate, that this guy's Need to the Albert Barlett and further already, so he needs he needs one of them three mile three and a half furlong handicap hurdles you see at Carlisle or something like that to get the best out of him. Send him to the Midlands National. 
exactly in four years' time when he's trained by Christian Williams. <laughs> but yeah, I might range it up, but you know, in it to win it, aren't you? So let's get let's get the grade ones under the belt. A few victories. We we like seeing one sometimes more than others. So yeah, and my my one who I think would be the the biggest likeliest winner in there is Roxana again. So I'm it's uh, just highlights my extreme confidence in her. Bob Ollinger as well, mate. Uh, Jim and Dan were both very, very keen on him. And you think he'll uh, beat Brave Man's Game and Guy Adumani? Yeah, uh, just it's the same reasons as, as, as Jim and Dan, really. This horse has got gears, which I think the others possibly lack at this stage of their careers, at least. The other two, I think they're all stays in the making. But I, you could see Bob Ollinger being dropped down to two miles and still shaping with plenty and plenty of credit. And as we know in 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 the Ballymore, or when it was known the ne- as the Neptune, you've got the likes of Fahid, the new one, and Hardy Eustace winning winning the race, and the, and even Rock on Ruby finishing second in it. Uh, all turn out to be champion hurdle class horses. Of course, the new one famously didn't win the race whenever he was in it. So you need that sort of that speed and that gears edge to win this race. And then I think Bob Ollin just got that. And I was mightily impressed with his jumping, really, at, at Punchestown. I thought he was incredibly low and slick over his hurdles. And obviously, he's won a point to point, and he, he's, they've classed him as a chaser in making, but he seems like he'd be more suited to hurdles than the other two, Guy de Manil and Brave, Ma- Brave Man's Game. But that, don't be surprised if you're looking back on that Ballymore in a couple of years' time and going, wow, this race, the top, at least the top three in it. This is a really unbelievable race, just like we we looked at with the uh, Albert Bartlett last year. Yeah, do you know what, mate? I can see that completely. So we'll go for the rating the races nap competition for the Thursday. Jim, you're up first, pal. Something I never thought I'd be saying, but the nap of day three comes in the pretense with Champagne Platinum. Um, my next best will come in the stays with Paisley Park. Um, and my third best will... I'm, I can't put him by you, can I? That, no, that... you can, mate. You can, mate, because I think I might nap him. <laughs> you can't nap him, boy. Come on, man. Uh... He's still a prize. He should be free to one on. I, I, I can't nap. I can't nap him, boy. I'll, I'll never live it down. Um... Third best, we'll go musical slave. We'll have another handicap swing. Hopefully, he doesn't take out every fence with him and, and take him back to Philip Hobbs's. I will nap him by Alan. And you know what? I'll boom it on Twitter as well when he wins. Uh, oh. <laughs> the, ne- the next best is going to be Paisley Park. And the third is Min. Matt, for you, Paul. Well, that's two ends of the nap scale we've had. We've had one with Champagne Mystery, which is basically playing Russian roulette with a loaded loaded rifle. And then we've had someone with, with the most obvious nap in, in living history. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a bit. I'll go for the Ryanair. Um I've been confident with Min for a long, long time, and there's no point in in going off the rails of him now. So he'll be my nap. Next best again, like Jimbo, Paisley Park. I think he's a very, very good chance. And the third best, I think it will be wherever he turns up with. Uh, do not be surprised if Spirit of the Games on the day in either the Potemps or the Paddy Power Plate runs a big race. Fair enough, Matt. Thanks for coming on with us again, mate. Always uh, a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And I hope everyone listening as well has a wonderful Cheltenham Festival. It's going to be 
different, of course, the cliches. It's going to be a festival like no other, but uh, it's going to be a bit of joy that we need in the racing world and, and in the world as a whole. Things are looking up now, and uh, hopefully we can start with some, some memories to, make, to last forever next week. Yeah, well said, Matt. Well said, pal. Uh, Jim, thanks for being here as well. Thank you very much for hosting once again, Lou. Um, the long slog of podcasts uh, are nearly over, my friend, and hopefully we've provided you with a few winners and, and a bit of enjoyment throughout it. Aye, aye. Thanks to everyone for listening as well. Thanks to Rating the Racers and the Tote for their support. Uh, and we'll see you all again very soon. See you soon. Stay safe. See you soon. Take care.